Some time ago, somebody came to me, and they had been to a website called monster.com. How many of you know what that is? Monster.com. If you know what monster.com is, you probably have been looking for a job. <clears throat> in that interview, or in the questionnaire they were filling out, there was a dreaded question, they said. And they wanted to know, what is your weakness? And nobody wants to admit their weakness. I mean, nobody wants to say where they're weak at. And in this job interview, they were trying to figure out how to answer where they're weak at. So I went to monster.com and I looked up to get some of their suggestions on how to answer this question. One of their suggestions was, if your weakness, for instance, you might want to try and transform it into a strength. For instance, they said, if you're a perfectionist, you might just simply say, sometimes I expect too much of myself or of others. How many have ever worked for a perfectionist before? You know, they can be quite demanding. And if you are a perfectionist, you know what it means to be late all the time because it's never good enough. It says, another strategy is to minimize your weakness by saying you've already overcome it. I'm a very task-oriented person, but I've learned that people really matter, so I concentrate on people as well. And then they shared a third strategy was to make it completely irrelevant to what you're applying for. That made me think of a story that I'm sure all of you have heard it sometimes before about the manager being interviewed for a new position. And when they asked him to tell them a little bit about his last job, he says, my department has turned a profit for every quarter for the last five years. I've never had a personnel problem and I've always gotten superior performance reviews. I've never had that to happen. But the interviewer said, that's a very impressive review. He says, well, tell me what your greatest weakness is. And the guy, in all honesty, looked and he says, I tend to exaggerate. <laughs> I tend to exaggerate. This morning, I want to talk to you about not being ashamed of your weakness. I want to talk to you about trusting God that the weakness that you have in your life or the weaknesses that you have in your life is that God's opportunity to work in your life. It might be a physical weakness. It might be a relational weakness. It might be your family of background. You might, you might come from a dysfunctional family. It might be a, a financial weakness. It might be an educational weakness. There's all kinds of weaknesses that we bring into our lives. Revealing our weaknesses is the last thing we want to do. One of the great things about having the prayer partners that I've had for so many years that have known me from decades ago is that they know my weaknesses as well as they know my strengths. We tend to always want to talk about strengths. I looked at our college students last week, and as we talked about their successes, we talked about all of the things that they had accomplished in their school years, the things that they hoped to accomplish, and I laud that, I applaud that, I want to celebrate that, but as I'm sitting here last week and I'm reflecting on what I know I'm going to be preaching on, I'm thinking at the same time, these young people need to be prepared because all of us have weaknesses in our life. Let's never kid ourselves. Look at me, and I don't want you to miss this. So even if you're watching online, look at me real close in the eye. We are all jars of clay. We're all fragile. We're all easily broken. We're all, as Irma Bombeck said one time, if you remember that name, we're all crackpots. But we have living inside of us 
We have living inside of us the life of Jesus Christ if we've been born again. And even though we may be crackpots and fragile jars of clay, we cannot be overcome because greater is he that's within us than he that's in the world. Can we give him a hand of praise for that this morning? There's where we find our strength. We're unbreakable in the face of heartache. We're unbreakable in the face of hardship. We're unbreakable in the face of need. We're unbreakable in the face of, of health crisis. We're unbreakable in the case of financial crisis because we know that God is with us. Every single clay pot comes with weaknesses. Every single clay pot comes with fractures in its life. But in those clay pots, we don't deny the weaknesses, we don't deny the fractures. There is a Japanese artist that I enjoy reading his books. I can't pronounce his name, even though I've heard him speak several times. But he specializes in an art of taking broken pottery and repairing that pottery. And the pottery becomes even more beautiful because of how he repairs the cracks how he repairs it and makes it so much more valuable because he's repaired it. And the price for these artworks that he's done of something that was worthless because he took the time to repair it has now become just beyond my imagination at what people will pay for these works of art. And I want you to know the life that is in you is invaluable. Christ is the pearl of great price. Can you say amen to that? Everything about him matters. And so I think what God wants to say to us this morning as we go through the word, he wants to use our weaknesses. So I want you to stand with me this morning, and I'm going to read several passages of scripture, make one comment on each passage, and then we're going to the next one. Instead, Jesus gave up his divine privileges, and he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. Later today, circle that word slave. Nobody wants to be a slave. 2 Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. First of all, there's relational weakness. He became a slave. Second of all, there's financial weakness. His poverty. Third, I want you to look at this verse of Scripture from 2 Corinthians 12, 9. Paul is talking about his own weaknesses, and he says that the Lord said to him, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Would you read that, just that one phrase, I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Let's say that together. I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Look at your neighbor now and say that to them. I am glad to boast about my weaknesses. Now look at me. Just be honest. Okay, come on. Can we be real for just a moment? How many of you, that was a lie? Okay, I'll admit it. That was a lie. It's taken a work of grace to get me to that place. I preached on this verse of scripture so many times. It says, Lord, I still don't like it. I know it's true and I'm obligated to preach it, but I don't like it. But as I've gotten older, I've seen the truth of this more and more so that the power of Christ can work through me. And then a very controversial passage. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in the flesh. And a thorn is painful. A thorn is deep. 
A thorn is difficult to remove. And Paul says this thorn was a gift. Perhaps your weakness is a gift this morning. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, I confess before you in this congregation and all watching online this morning, it took a long time for me to be able to come to the place and say, I can brag about my weakness. I can boast about my weakness. Lord, I would say it by faith. And you knew in my heart I wasn't there yet. But I thank you for your tender mercies and grace. You never gave up on me, and you never give up on a single person in this sanctuary or watching online this morning. So Jesus, all I have to say as I begin this message is we're depending upon you. Send us a move of your Holy Spirit that helps us to live above our weakness and move in the power of God, I pray. In Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. You can be seated this morning. I will make no bones about it. <clears throat> I spent years asking God to take away the thorn in my life. And I would encourage you this morning, if you feel like you have a thorn in your life, ask God to take it away. Because some thorns are not given. Some thorns are not a gift. Some thorns come because of spiritual warfare. Some thorns come because of hurts or pains that we have incurred in life. But Paul makes a specific point of emphatically saying, I was given a thorn. And the reason I say to ask God, take away the thorn in this message this morning is, I don't ever want to encourage you to give in to weakness. I don't ever want to encourage you to give in to sickness. I don't ever want to encourage you to give in to anything that will prevent you from fulfilling God's purpose for your life. I want you to push back against the powers of darkness. I want you to push back against those things that hinder the work of God in our life. Circumstantial limitations, relational limitations, financial limitations, talented limitations, physical limitations, especially those limitations <clears throat> that you feel come in your life that hinder what God wants to do for you. You say, Pastor, I'm a little bit confused because you just read how Paul was given a thorn and he rejoices in his weakness, but now you're telling me push back. Yes, because the Bible is very clear, God created us for life. God created us to live. And Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly, that you would have fulfilling life in you. And yet, when Paul was given this thorn, he said three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away in 2 Corinthians 12, 8. Read that with me this morning. Three different times, I begged the Lord to take it away. I've always taught my children, you don't have to beg the Lord for anything. He's your father. He loves you. I love you. I don't want you begging me. And if you beg me, I will probably deny your request because I don't ever want you to think of prayer as begging. I want you to know you can wake me up at any time. You can talk to me anytime. I wanted them to learn from me and from their mom how to come to God in prayer. But to ask confidently, but here is this bold, we call him the Lion of God. 
Here's this bold man admitting to us three different times I begged the Lord. And in my imagination, I picture Paul on his face. I picture Paul when whatever that weakness was, writhing before the Lord, begging God to take it away. So I would ask you this morning, beg the Lord if necessary. If you need healing, if you need deliverance from an addiction, if you need recovery from wounds in life. And by the way, if I ever get sick again and go into the hospital, don't go in there and start your prayer this way. Lord, we pray for pastor if it's your will that you would heal him, but if not, you take him on to heaven. Please don't usher me into glory before God gets ready to take me home. I mean, I want to live. I want to enjoy the work of God. I want to enjoy being your pastor, being Becky's husband, my children's father, my grandchildren's grandfather. I enjoy life. And, and so we, we push back against those things that might short-circuit what God wants to do in our lives. The second thing I would say to you is, however, trust the wisdom and the love of God. Trust the wisdom and the love of God. God's sovereignty, God's sovereign plan, God is in control. Things are not out of control. God is in control of your life and he's in control of my life. Now, the reason that Paul has this experience of a thorn in the flesh is because Paul had an amazing experience that we'll talk about in just a few minutes. But because of this amazing experience with God, God gave him a thorn. Look at me for just a second. Look at me. Everyone, look at me. Stop writing notes. Look at This is important. This is a word the Lord wants all of you to hear. Sometimes when you ask God for something, the gift will come with more than you bargained for. So when you pray to God, understand that the more that God trusts you with, the greater the responsibility is. And you're going to see in a moment why God gave Paul this thorn. But in the meantime... What you need to know is, it's not a sin. Some commentators will say about this, that it must have been a sin that Paul struggled with. I think that is just, almost said a word I shouldn't say. It wasn't a bad word, just a word I shouldn't say in the pulpit. I'll tell you later if you want to know, but it was just, let's just put it this way. That's dumb. That's foolish. And the reason I say that's dumb and that's foolish is because he's positive about it. And there's no way Paul would have been positive about sin. He said, it's a gift to me. God's given it to me. It's helping me. It's doing something. It's accomplishing something in my life. Was it a physical weakness? I don't know. Was it a disability? I don't know. Was it poor eyesight? I don't know. Was it migraine headaches? I don't know. I just know I don't want whatever he had. Can we agree on that? I don't want your thorn. You don't want my thorn. Paul says, because of the extravagance of these revelations, what revelations? He was called up into the third heaven. He writes about this. You can go home and read more about this later. He saw things too wonderful to tell. He saw things that he could not come. God told him he could not share. So he says, because of the extravagance of those revelations, and so I wouldn't get a big head, I was given the gift of a handicap to keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Look at this. <clears throat> Satan's angel did his best to get me down 
What he in fact did was push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. Somehow or another, God allowed the enemy to war against the Apostle Paul in such a way that if Martin Luther would write about this, remember that the devil is God's devil and God controls the devil. God will let the devil accomplish his will in our life if we're seeking to serve him. Now, listen, don't misunderstand because Luther's very clear on this also. If you're not serving God, you're at the mercy of the devil. And you can choose to disbelieve in him if you want to, but it doesn't stop the murders that are happening in Ukraine. It doesn't stop the tyranny of another dictator rising up to try to do what Hitler did. It doesn't stop another kid from walking into Uvalde. It doesn't stop another racist from walking into a grocery store in Buffalo. It doesn't protect us because we don't believe in the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, understand this. When you're in Christ, not even the devil can touch you without God's permission. And if he does, God has got something good to accomplish out of that. And what Paul said was, he did this so that I wouldn't become proud or I wouldn't become arrogant. He said, what happened was it pushed me down to my knees. There's no danger then of walking around high and mighty. While I was praying this week, the Holy Spirit was searching my heart on something. As the Holy Spirit was searching my heart, I kept coming up with answers, and I would write these answers down, and finally it was like the Holy Spirit says, stop writing. You're depending upon your experience. You're depending upon your skills. Some things are not going to go out except by prayer and fasting. And an old song came to mind immediately. Jesus, I'm depending on you. Jesus, I'm depending on you to carry me through. Jesus, I'm depending on you. And as soon as I began to sing those verses, this verse of scripture popped into my mind. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing, but through me, all things are possible. Do you believe that this morning? Are you so dependent upon him that you truly recognize without him, you can do nothing, but through him, all things are possible. The knowledge of this gives me confidence in life. The knowledge of this should give you hope in life. The knowledge of this should give you guidance in life. Because when I admit where I'm weak at and I'm struggling, then suddenly I say, Lord, I'm weak here. I'm struggling with this. And I begin to become grateful for my weakness. Then the power of God can be manifested because I'm not working against God's will for my life. I'm working with God in his will in my life. So Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 10, now I take my limitations in stride and with good cheer. Say that those two words with me. Good cheer. Let's say it again. Good cheer. Now, I want to do that again. And for those of you watching online, I hope you're not doing what they're doing here in the sanctuary. They look like they're drinking pickle juice out of a gasoline can. I'd like us to say good cheer with a smile on our face. Look at your neighbor and say good cheer and smile whether you feel like it or not. There you go. One guy just did a fist pump and almost hit his wife. I promise you there would have been no cheer there. Good cheer. It's that sense, he says, I take my limitations. Why can he take them in stride? Because God is in control. Jesus, I'm depending on you. 
My weaknesses are not going to hold me back. My financial limitations are not going to hold me back. My educational, relational limitations, nothing can stop me when I'm walking in the Spirit of God. Somebody give him a hand of praise this morning. Hallelujah. So I take my limitations and strive with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks, I just let Christ take over, and so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Here's what I think the Lord is saying. Number one, God will help you. God will help you. Now, if you think you can do it by yourself, God will let you do it by yourself. If you think you can do it alone, God will let you do it alone. If you think you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps, God will let you pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But I want to tell you something. A self-made man or a self-made woman is a mess. Only Jesus can take something messy and make it beautiful. God will help you. I am with you. That is all you need. This is what God told Paul. My power shows up best in weak people. Friends, I'm just being honest with you. God is all I have. God is all I have. As we gathered to worship yesterday with the Sheridan family, that 42-year-old daughter going to be with the Lord, I realized how fragile life was. Last Sunday morning when Sarah's daughter, Isabella, came up and just grabbed me around the waist and hugged me. After she walked away, I lost it. Because that child at a young age is learning, God is all I have. And you see, if you remember, you're a fractured pot. You're a clay pot. And you have been repaired by the master artist. And he says of you, you are my masterpiece. That's what the Bible says. The Greek word is poema. You are his masterpiece. You are more valuable than the cattle of a thousand hills, the gold, the oil, the rare minerals, because God himself came to die for you at Calvary. God shows you his amazing love for you. God is all I have. Secondly, God uses my weakness then to protect me from my pride. Because I like to win. Well, thank you for that, Joyce. One other honest person in this room. Is there anybody else in here that likes to win? Can I see your hand? The rest of you are liars. My wife introduced me just recently to a game called Wordle. Anybody ever played that? That is an addictive game. I'm so glad it only comes out five times a week, once a day. But she is so hard to beat. And this week, there was a word called piety that was the right word. I got it on the fifth try, and I thought, Becky will never get this one. She'll never get this one. And so I'm sitting behind her. She's sitting on the floor, and I'm watching. And, you know, she did slow. She, I put them in. I just I put them in there quick. And, you know, I don't always get them because she just takes her time. And on the third try, she got piety. And I went, that is just not fair. And then it dawned on me, I'm secretly hoping my wife will lose. That's how bad I want to win. 
I love her more than my own life, but I wanted her to lose. And I couldn't high-five her. Now, she'd have went and lost, and I could have said, oh, honey, it was such an easy word. It was piety, and I could have been all pious acting. (laughs) You see, friends, sometimes God allows these weaknesses in our life to protect us from our pride. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh. And thirdly, God then shows us something. We really do need each other. We really do need one because I need people around me where I'm weak. You need people around you where you're weak. I don't want an independent spirit. I went out into the garage this morning to see if I could find, maybe there was a piece of rope laying around that I could bring it back. We have several ropes at the house, and but they were all just too long to bring. But, you know, none of those ropes are like twined. They're one little strand, but they're just many, many strands. And I don't care how strong you are, I don't care how muscle-bound you are, I don't care how big you are, I don't care how rich you are, how powerful you are, but by yourself you are weak. But when we are bound together as the body of Christ, when we're bound together in a small group, when we're bound together as a family, the Bible says a single-fold cord is easily broken, but who can break a two- or three-fold cord? When we are together, we are strong. God deliver us from independent spirits. We really do need one another. Somebody say amen this morning. We need each other in the body of Christ. You're weak, I'm weak, but together we are strong. Think about that. You're weak, I'm weak, but together we are strong. In fact, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 22, in fact, we cannot get along without the parts of the body that seem... Am I reading this correctly? To be the weakest. Did I read that correctly? You can say yes or no. Have you ever been chosen last for the softball team? You ever been chosen last for the soccer team? You ever been chosen last for football or baseball? Everybody wants the strong players. And yet the Bible's telling us this morning, we cannot get along without the weakest of our members. You matter in the body of Christ. You're vital to the body of Christ. We need you. And I don't want this to be weird or creepy, but would you turn to your neighbor right now and say, I need you, I really, really do. I need you, I really, really do. Look at me. I need you, I really, really do. You see, in my weakness, God gives me ministry. He came alongside us. Listen to what the Bible says. He came alongside of us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, he brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Let's read that one more time. I don't want you to miss that. 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 4. He comes alongside us, Jesus, when we go through hard times. And before you know it, Jesus brings us along someone else who is going through hard times so we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Everybody has a ministry.
nobody can walk through the trial and the valley of the death of a daughter or a son the way somebody else has walked through that. Nobody can walk through the struggle of an addiction the way somebody else can that struggle with that addiction. Nobody else can walk through the valley of divorce with somebody else except for those who've already walked through that valley. No one can really have compassion and understand what the person with cancer feels like except for the person who struggled with cancer. I could go on and on. Aging parents, crippled children, relational limitations, mental disabilities. But God gives you that ability to have a ministry to come alongside and the weakest of us make us complete this morning. So I'd like you to bow your heads and I'd like you to stand with me this morning because I want to have just an extended time of prayer as we get ready to close here. And I'd like you just to no one look around. Occasionally, sometimes when I ask people to do that, somebody will keep their eyes open, and I'm telling you this morning, I will call you out. So please, everybody bow your head and close your eyes. If there's something that you're ashamed of in your life, and the camera is on me, it's not on the congregation, would you just lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you be praying for me this week? God bless you, and you all over this building, all over this building. If there's something that's making you, you can put your hands down. If there's something that's making you fearful, would you lift up your hands this morning? You admit it, say, I'm afraid. Again, around this building. If you're online, let me know through a private message. If you're on Facebook, you can use Instant Messenger. You can text me at 734-931-0111. Or if you're on our website, you can leave a confidential message If you came from a dysfunctional family and it causes you distrust and relational issues, would you lift up your hand? Because I want to be praying for you. Oh, oh my goodness. You put your hands down. If you're struggling with a disease this morning that's left you not at your best, would you lift up your hand this morning? Sure. And this is going to be painful. But if you had an unfaithful mother or father, and again, no one's looking around but me, that damaged you. And you know it did. Would you lift up your hand this morning? Oh, my God. This is probably the most difficult question of all. If you've been unfaithful, it's damaged you as well as others. But God wants to minister to you. Would you hold up your hand this morning? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, I see your hand. You can put it down. God bless you. Thank you. You see, when we admit our weaknesses, then the healing comes. When you reveal 
then you heal. You can put your hand down. My heart's breaking right now. You put it down. Now the greatest question of all, if you haven't given your heart to Jesus or you've wandered away from your faith and you're ready to commit your life to him, would you lift up your hand this morning? God bless you. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. Thank you. This morning, I asked the Lord for a revival of signs and wonders, but I also asked him for changed hearts and changed minds and whole lives. So I'm going to pray slowly, and I'd like us all to pray together. And if you would just repeat right after me this morning. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, let's do it together. Dear Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. I push back against the powers of darkness. And if this thorn is not a gift, I ask you to heal me. Maybe you need recovery. Just say, Lord, I ask you to help me recover. Maybe you need deliverance. And you just say, Lord, deliver me. And you just quietly tell him what it is right now. And if it's sin, then you ask him to forgive you. You don't have to beat the altar or beat a pew. God hears your simple but sincere request this morning. Now, if you lifted your hand and you said, I want to give my heart to Jesus or dedicate my life to Jesus, let's all pray this together so nobody feels alone. Let's just continue to pray. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you to come into my life. Save me from my sin. Thank you for giving your life to me and make me a brand new person. New desires, new hopes, new dreams, a fresh start in life. And as much as I know how, I give my life to you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. And everyone said, amen, amen, and amen. Could we give the Lord a hand of praise this morning? <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, believe it or not, we're dismissing just a tad early. If you'd like to spend some extended time in prayer this morning, we've got about 30 minutes before the next service starts. You're welcome to come and just kneel in this altar. I'm going to walk around this altar and pray with people who want special prayer. It can be for healing. It could be about what you just prayed about. But before you go, I want you to know two things right here, online, right here. I love you, and I'm so proud of you for praying like you did. And the second thing is, you have no idea what God's going to do through you when you're honest with God. Nothing is impossible with Him. May the Lord bless you. May you boast about the weakness that God has given you. And may you experience fruitfulness that is a hundredfold over. Go in the name of the Lord this morning. God bless you. You're dismissed. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah.